Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, and I am joined here by my curious co-host, Free Tucker. Oh, hello, hello. I love that you picked curious because that is so excellent for today's episode. It is. I was like, I was looking at that adjective and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a get curious episode uh, because today we're talking about guilt and shame. Oh my goodness. Something that I feel like we definitely know a lot of as moms. Yeah. And like every mom recently that I've talked to, guilt and shame has come up. And it's usually like around the context of like their kids are just making them go crazy. And then they say something about they're worried that they're going to screw up their kids for the rest of their lives. Which keeps bringing me, I've said this like every time we have kicked around the idea of this episode, mm-hmm. it brings me back to my my favorite graphic behind every great kid is a mother who is certain she's screwing them up. Yeah, like, why do we do that to ourselves? Like, I don't think I don't dads know. go through this. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. And like, honestly, I, I run through this a lot. Like, you know, uh, my partner, Miguel, like he works in early childhood too. And we talk about these kinds of things all the time. And it's just, we, I find it very interesting that that as a mom in general, we, we do tend to dwell on these little things mm-hmm. more than dads do. And I just... I don't know. I want to have the dad mentality where I don't freak out over every little thing. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's like our deeper connection to our kids, like the deeper like brainwaves connection. Like you've heard those things about how when moms give birth, like their brains actually change. Like it's been researched that there is a change that makes them more attuned to their child and their child's needs. Well, yeah, and there's I also have no basis for that. I have no no proof right now in front of me to back that up. That's <sighs> completely out of my. Well, I also remember. Uh, um, oh goodness, I also remember reading an article too about how women feel a physical pain when their children cry, especially mm. as infants, and mm-hmm. that's actually a primal um, instinct from yeah. way back in the caveman days, so that we would not abandon or we would actually care for our children. It's so like the physical pain is what makes it. I mean, because you felt that, right? Like, I felt that. And do you know back. <laughs> my cat and that gets the physical pain inside me too. And like, oh, like she, some, oh that cat meows like mad. Oh, yeah. No, but I think cats could replicate that <laughs> as well because I don't know. I think they're evil, but they're, they're <laughs> loving and evil, but they're kind of evil and devious. Like I love my cat. <laughs> All the dog people are going like, yeah, <laughs> you, okay. You know, I'm a dog person and, but I'm thinking to myself, my dog though has that same power of manipulation just with his eyes. Yeah. Just with his <laughs> eyes. Oh my goodness. So, no, I think cats are so devious that they have learned how to mimic the newborn cry of a child in the same pitch in their meows. And so that's what like drives you crazy. Okay. Let's feed them. I will actually say that I kind of agree with that theory because <sighs> way back in the day, after my second child was born, I was working in an office, not the best office of places. We had this like hole in the wall, very sketchy mm-hmm. office for the nonprofit I was working for. And there were cats yeah. in the ceiling. And when the cats <gasps> had kittens. <laughs> so you'd be in there working and you would hear them. Oh my gosh. And, and for those breastfeeding moms, you I'm not going to say what happened, but you know what happened if I'm telling you. Like it mimicked a they child. They started lactating? Ah, yeah. Oh my, I, you yeah. started. Oh, oh no. You started <laughs> And then they're at work like, oh my God. Why is this? Yeah, it's the kittens. The kittens. <gasps> Every time the kittens would start to meow, oh, I would have an issue. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I, so. yes, cats are, when you said cats in the ceiling, I don't know if you're an office fan. Yeah. There's the fire drill episode when, okay. when like Oscar's like going to find help and like 
he oh. he's like going up the ceiling and Angela's like, save my cat! And she I throws for- the cat up and then he, the cat falls out of another ceiling. <laughs> I forgot about that, but now I remember. It's like, cat's in the ceiling. Anyways, we're going off track. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes. So the point is, um, yes, we are physically, like as, as mothers, there is research that proves that we are physically attached to our children yes emotionally physiologically which when those emotions get so high like we lose it right we can lose it and we can yell at our kids and a lot of us feel incredibly guilty anytime we yell at our child and the popular media doesn't help by pushing pushing like all of these research articles about here's what happens to your child's brain when you yell at it and like every shame inducing thing out there you see it so this is not one of those episodes this is how you can just stop the guilt cycle for yourself about yelling at your kids we're going to give you three actionable tips and hopefully by the end you're feeling a lot better and you're you have a game plan to go forward right you will i promise i I feel very very strongly about this yes so let's get on with the show oh my gosh i can't believe it you're in tomorrow (laughs) is your birthday (laughs) i'm so excited It is. It is my birthday. Uh, And since like we are both firm believers in Mm -hmm. the birthday week celebration, we've been doing a whole week of deals. We have. And they have been amazing. So far this past week, we brought our listeners deals on homework, morning management, emotions, self-regulation and sibling relationships, which is a biggie. And today's is equally awesome. Today you can get the Dot system for students. Woohoo! That's awesome. And I absolutely cannot wait for everybody to see what's going on tomorrow on your actual birthday. <laughs> yep. So here's what you need to do to make sure you are in on all the festivity festivities. Festivities. I can talk. Use the link in our show notes to download the No Guilt Mom mindset and join our No Guilt Mom community. Woohoo. And if you're already in the No Guilt Mom community, you've already been getting these lovely emails. So you know about all these specials. Yes. So make sure you don't miss out. Help me celebrate my my birthday by letting me give you a gift. Honestly, like that's the coolest thing. So be on the lookout for all the birthday week celebrations and let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Okay, so Brie, we've yelled at our kids. So, so many we've times. So, we've so lost it. Like, I have lost it. I remember one story in particular where my son was very, very mad at his older sister. And he, when he gets mad, he tends to, like, rage at her. Like, he'll hop off one couch when she's sitting on the other couch. And he'll go over and, like, hit her and then, like, run away. And this particular incident, he was, like, hitting her. And then he'd run away. And I'd be like, okay, stop. Calm down. And then two minutes later, he would like kick her and then run away. And I'm like, okay, let's take some breaths. And I would, I was even doing like my tactics of like trying to mumble and walk away. 
And then the third time he would like kick her and she's like, ow, ow. And it just became so repetitive that I was like, stop it right now. And I just yelled and his face froze and like just crumpled and he started crying and left the room. And I, I felt completely awful totally awful. I'm sure you've had a story like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm like I'm going through a bazillion in my head, plenty with my daughter, but a big one comes into play with my son. And I think I shared it on one of our episodes previously with Catherine Grinnells Lewis, where we were at a we were out of town trying to get to a restaurant at night in the dark. And there was a protest crowd coming up. And um, I guess it agitated my son. And I didn't realize that. So while I'm looking around trying to make sure we're all there and again, not the best lit area. So I'm kind of looking hard for everybody trying to figure things out. My son starts talking to me very forcefully. And when I'm not responding, because again, I'm looking at other things and he starts punching me in the arm and I lost it and yelled at him and was like, you do not hit me. And I was just very angry. And it took me a minute or two, not not a minute or two, it felt like a minute or two, but a couple of moments to hear my son go, I just need to know where we're going. And then I saw his face and realized you know, what was going on, that he was super agitated. And oh my goodness, I think I, I needed a shower, man. I felt awful. Like that shame and that guilt, it ate at me the rest of the night. There was just like, no matter how many times I apologized to him, there was nothing and nothing I could do to move past it because it just felt so awful. Yeah, because in those moments, I feel like the thought process that goes through my head is that I have damaged the connection between me and my child. I have made my child feel shame. My child's going to grow up not having a close relationship with me. My child's going to yell at their own kids. My child, like, oh my gosh, all this catastrophizing and yep. going just down, 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 down. Down that you lovely feel shame spiral, right? Yeah, and you <laughs> feel horrible. So if you're listening right now and you have gone through this same shame spiral, just know you are not alone. Uh, and and here's how we get out of the shame spiral. Well, wait, I'm going to put out a question. If yes. you haven't gone through the shame spiral, will you like send us an email? Let me yeah. know how you don't do that because I would love to, to get a little bit of, and I mean this very seriously, I would love to get a little bit of insight on how to ensure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you're right. Like the more you talk to people, it seems like this is a pretty pretty regular thing. It's a pretty regular thing. So, yeah. Hello at noguiltmom.com. Yes. <laughs> if you have some non-shame spiral, like if you have the secret to not going through the shame spiral. Oh my goodness, we need it. <laughs> we need the input. So let's let's go into these okay. three steps. All right. So first the step. First step is just to recognize you're in the shame spiral. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a huge thing that uh, if you think about it, just in general, like any situation you're in, recognizing that you're there is going to always um, it give you a step to move forward. Yeah. So in episode 24, we talked with Tina Payne Bryson, and she said something really interesting in that episode, which if you have not listened to it, oh my gosh, go back and listen to that whole episode. There's more than just this in it. But she said that when we sit in shame, there's actually a whole physiological change that happens in our visceral system. And it's an actual physiological, meaning just in your body, a state that makes us less receptive. So in other words, our brain 
literally closes down. Our brain closes down when we're in the shame spiral. We can't we can't do that upper level thinking. We're no. con- we're just thinking strictly with our feelings. Yeah. Which isn't that productive. No. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> Wow, what do you know? <laughs> it doesn't help us take steps to um, like repairing anything that just right. happened, to fixing the problem that we lost it at, or to like find out anything that's happening with our kids. So the shame spiral is just unproductive. Right. You're just you're going down, down, down on that. I suck. I'm terrible. Like that. I'm the worst mother get ever. Better, right. My kids are gonna live in my basement forever. They're never gonna have a meaningful relationship <laughs> because I ruined it all. Because I yelled at them this I one time. All this one time. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean that. Yeah. That's the thought process. So just recognizing that and knowing that it's unproductive, I think, is like the first step to stopping the shame cycle because right. there's nothing good that comes of it. Right. And we can tell ourselves that mentally. But then taking it into action, that's really, really the hard part. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel energized. Even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 tastes really good too. And I enjoy my glass every single morning. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Right. And Tina also gave some great information, too, about like, we need to be curious. We need to get right? curious. Yes. Yeah. So Instead we need to shame. not go down that spiral, but actually be curious about what just happened there. Yes. So there's two things to be curious about. Okay. The first one, we need to be curious about ourselves. 
True. <laughs> Something that Tina said in that episode, which I loved, and she's like, "Some like, why did that happen? Why did I lose it there? And she said that sometimes the answer is like, I'm acting this way as a parent because I haven't peed by myself in six weeks. You know what? I <laughs> loved that part. Like, we actually made that into a trailer for that episode because I, I was like, oh my goodness, how how relatable is that? Like, yeah. I haven't peed myself in weeks. The dog just threw up. I'm hungry because I haven't eaten since yesterday. Like, yeah. all I haven't been things. left alone. Like, I haven't had any thoughts of my own or any thoughts that like are uninterrupted by someone else needing something from me. Right. And it's just like there's there's a gazillion reasons why, but you can't even begin to start working through it mm-hmm. if you don't know what the what the cause was yourself, just in you. Yeah. First curiosity is why did I snap? And I can exactly. tell you in my example, my snap was because my stress level was high. And I didn't, and I was scared too about what was going on. Like I was afraid I was going to lose one of my kids, wasn't sure what was happening. And so because of that, I snapped when my son snapped. And that's completely reasonable. Right. I think I might have snapped because I believe I had a headache at the time. It was the end of the day. So I was exhausted and I was a bit hungry because it was right around dinner time. That's what I was going to say. Everybody, I'm sorry, if you're listening out there, mama, you get a little bit of a pass when it comes to that witching hour. No matter who you are, no matter how old your kids are, that magic time, I would say like between after school and dinner time is always going to be that time that everybody gets snippy. Oh, yeah, because everyone's hungry and tired. Yes. Hungry and tired. It's always, always those are the two ingredients for it to which you total meltdown gosh both for moms and for kids yes 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 (laughs) yes when when we're curious about that we tend to be a little kinder to ourselves during those times like now when before i was like oh my gosh i haven't seen my kids all day i i want to be like super productive with them and do stuff you have these dreams yeah they shatter almost instantly when they get in the car yeah (laughs) at least mine It kind of does. Yes, it's totally true. But now I'm I I take a step back during that time. And I mean, my kids are seven and almost 12. And I use that time to work by myself because my kids also need to cool down from school. Like they are not ready for any sort of interaction. So just becoming curious about what I need and what they need during that time has helped a lot and prevented a lot of meltdowns. Yeah, for sure. So that's the first step. Recognize your own shame. And we talked about getting curious. Second step is to get curious about your kid's behavior and your kid's reaction. Because usually when we think about kids and like, you know, behaviors that we consider a problem behavior, mm-hmm. we're looking just at the surface. We're looking at just the behaviors we can see. And many times those behaviors that we see, we make the wrong assumptions about. We think that kids are, oh, they're lazy or, oh, they're purposefully ignoring us. or They're being defiant. They're being oppositional on purpose. Mm-hmm. Or if you see a kid out in like public, you might think that their misbehavior is caused by poor parenting. I think almost every parent has been guilty of at least once. Yes. You're going to be totally 100% raw 100%, and honest here. Raw and honest. At yes. least once you have looked at another person that mm-hmm. has a kid that's having a meltdown or has a kid that's misbehaving, no matter what the age, and thought to yourself, well, if they just parented a little better, that wouldn't be happening. Yeah, which is horrible to think. I know, right? And it's not something that we endorse at all, but it's also good human to nature. acknowledge that it is human nature. Yeah. It's yeah. human nature. And like when I have those thoughts, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know the whole story. Right. 
And right? It, yep. And in fact, the whole story can actually, if you think of an iceberg, think of how like what you see of an iceberg above the water is really just a small percentage of that actual iceberg. 100%. Yes. And what you see at the top is in is in no indication of what it looks like on the bottom. Yeah. Or the shape on the bottom. Exactly. So when we only look at the top, we believe that our kids are doing things on purpose to make us mad or that they're seeking that negative attention just to get attention or that they have control over everything that they're doing at that time. But what we really need to get curious about is what's, what's under the water. What's underneath. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like that's an interesting thing because um, it comes back to we talk a lot about positive discipline in this um, and, and all of No Guilt Mom. and that actually follows the concept there too, as well as their misguided belief. Your your child at that point in time probably has some either some kind of a misguided belief from either a previous experience or or just trying to get a, a need met. So just talk talk a little bit about what is a misguided belief. So a misguided belief is going to be that where your child believes that if they act a certain way or if they do something a certain way, that it's going to get them the result that they want. So again, it, it does come back to sometimes being as simple as if I can keep mom's attention on me 100%, then that means that she loves me. That means I'm important. And if she diverts her attention between me and my sibling, then that means she doesn't love me anymore. Mm. It doesn't mean I'm trying to act mean because I don't like my sibling. Mm -hmm. It's because I, this, I, for some reason, believe that this is how I get my love. Mm. So that's just like one example of one of the misguided it's behaviors. It's their thoughts or ideas that they hold and that they think are true, but are really not serving the general good. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And to give another like, so this is kind of me moving out of the misguided belief, but into like a real basic one of those driving causes of a behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who out there has been hangry? Oh, All me. Right? Yes. Yes. Seriously. Total hangry. Right. Yes. My kids know that there are two things about mom that makes me irrational. <laughs> and I and luckily we are all very open about it in our family. So like no I do not get angry at anyone that ever says this to me. Mm -hmm. Hey Brie, are you tired? Mm -hmm. Hey Brie, are you hungry? Those are the two things that I get like just mean. <laughs> like rare. With like I just cannot handle those two things. And it kind of brings me back to the thought process we've talked about before too. Halt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? A lot of times like what are the and and we that is one of the things in the um iceberg thought process, the iceberg iceberg theory about your child's behavior and the reason for their behavior is their physiological state. Yeah. Are they hungry? Are they hungry? Are, are they, they angry? Are they are tired? They, yeah. Are they tired? Are they lonely? Mm -hmm. Those are four big factors that cause a lot of behavior that is very annoying mm -hmm. and um and non-productive for children. Yep. So getting curious about what your kids' thoughts and beliefs are, getting curious about what their physiological state, whether they're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Also, what their emotional response to the situation is, in particular, shame and embarrassment. It's funny oh, that we're goodness. talking about shame. And sometimes the reason that we, uh, our kids are having the behavior they have is result of their own shame. Right, exactly. Either from like previous experiences with us, previous mm -hmm. experience with their peers, yes. right? Like they believe that because they did bad on a test, that means that they're just not smart. Mm -hmm. And 
that's... Or, or like in the instance of one of our Sib Journal families, she was mm-hmm. describing how her son just did not want to apologize ever to his brother. She saw that or like, and they saw it as arrogance at first, She saw, right? yeah, the top of the iceberg. She thought it was arrogant. She thought it was just like he knew everything and he refused to admit when he was wrong. But when they dug a little bit deeper, they found that he was telling himself things like, I'm a bad person. Right. I did this. I'm a bad person. And that shame was really, really affecting him hard. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. And I think that it's really important to note to parents that, so again, it's important to look at the cause of your child's behavior. That's our second tip here. But in this story in particular, talking about a child that wasn't willing to apologize mm-hmm. outright to their sibling, this whole shame situation, it's more than just asking your kid, hey, why are you <laughs> like, you know, not doing this? And immediately he's like, oh, oh well, because I, I feel, feel like sh- this. I feel <laughs> shameful, mother. <laughs> right. No, it was no. a lot more involved than that. And in that case, like, you know, it, they were um, utilizing the the SIP journal and we have mm-hmm. a section about shame. And it, that was where, because it was a lot of times they don't even realize they that they realize. have these thought processes yeah. going on. You have to really work with them. I mean, if you think about it too, as adults. There's a lot of emotions and actions that we have that we don't fully understand why we have them. Mm-hmm. And we have to go through and really work at it. So, of course, your child isn't going to be able to articulate this to you right yeah. off the bat. It takes some work. We have to do the work and they have to do the work. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to even figure out what work you have to do. But that's why we're here for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are here to help support you in that journey. So with that being said... That leads us to to tip number three. Three, um, the third tip for what to do when you're feeling guilty for yelling at your child, just focus on repairing the relationship. 
And this was something that was said in Dr. Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson's mm-hmm. uh, book, No Drama Discipline. And something they said in particular, we'll be immature, unkind, and reactive at times. What's most important is that we address our own misbehavior and repair the breach in our relationship as soon as possible, most likely by offering or asking for forgiveness. And you know what? I'm going to throw this out a little further. I feel like actually every guest we've had on Mm -hmm. with a background in psychology or parenting, anything like that, they've all said the same thing. Repair, repair, repair. Yes. That connection Mm -hmm. that you're going to get from repairing Mm -hmm. is one of the most important things you can do as a parent. That connection. That's it. It's huge. And hearing that, it really, I feel it alleviates a lot of the guilt because you can do that after the fact. Yes, Mm -hmm. you were tired. Yes, you had a long day or like in any case, like maybe you had a headache, but stuff happened. You know that this stuff happened. Now, just concentrate on repairing it. Right? So like, I feel like a big thing that that uh, one of the big ways that I feel like I probably end up doing that in my life is I am huge on admitting when I have made a mistake. Mm -hmm. To me, that is a huge thing. Like, and the same with my kids. And they know that. If you made a mistake, just fess up and we'll work through it. There, There's nothing that can't be worked through. Did you burn it down? Nope. Okay, we can still work with it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a huge thing that I feel like is big when you have that repairing your relationship with your kids. Come to them. Be honest. Yes. I wasn't in my best place. Mm-hmm. Um, I Whatever it is that you're comfortable saying, if it is that I wasn't at my best, if it's okay enough to say like, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have yelled. You know, whatever it is that you feel like you are okay with admitting, just bring that out there. You just admit it. I mean, I did it when I yelled at my son. That was a pretty lengthy process where I came and I held him and I said, I'm so sorry. I lost it there. I yelled at you. And we talked about it after that. And that does one more really good thing because in the future, your kids are going to lose it. They are going to yell at people. They are going to break down crying and they need to know how to recover from that. Right. So if they see their parents being able to recover from something that happened with them with no shame and just work on repairing, then they see in their relationships now and in future relationships, that's what they need to do. They need to repair. So I'm going to throw this out there because I know there are some listeners that probably are thinking to themselves, well, that's, you know, if you came back and you said you were sorry for yelling at your son mm-hmm. when he was hitting your, your daughter, then you're being permissive. You're yeah. telling him it's okay. Yeah, but let's, no. let's break that down. But let's that's break not that down. what happened there. That's not right? what happened. No, there was a way to respond to that situation where, um, especially with me and my son hitting, that did not have to include yelling. If I was in a, a healthier state of mind at the time, I probably would have taken my son and we would have gone to another room and I would have physically separated him from his sister. Um, and seeing that he was in such an agitated state, I would have uh, stayed there with him to calm him down. And when you said, I'm sorry that mm-hmm. I yelled, I shouldn't have yelled. Did he just sit there and go, okay, and the conversation was over? No, he was right. so sorry for his behavior. Right. Then he, he was he reflected so on sorry. it. Yeah, he reflected on his behavior and he's like, I shouldn't have been hitting sissy. Like right? I was so mad and I couldn't get away fast enough. And he was like digging deep into like the reasons he himself was hitting. 
Right. So mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's really important to point out that when you take that first step forward to connect and to repair that relationship, that gives your child permission to do the same. Yeah, it's really magical because we were not raised this way Mm-mm, at no. all about how to reflect on our own behavior and the causes behind our behavior. And by teaching our kids this, oh my gosh, if you are at all worried about screwing up your kids for the future, this alone should hopefully put you on like the more happy, positive path that, oh my gosh, I am giving my kids this skill of seeing that when they make a mistake, they now know a path on how to fix that mistake and repair that mistake. And That is huge. Because the only time you can't fix it is when you don't even try. Yeah. That's the only time. Like if you are at the point where you're not, you don't care, you don't see any, how your behavior impacts anything and you don't want to repair it. That is the only time that you really aren't going to have anything positive come from it. Exactly. Exactly. So our three steps next time you lose it, which, I mean, there's going to be a next time. There's oh, yeah. going to be a next time for me. Oh, there's going to be a next time for Brie. I, I think that I'm on like, re, I think I'm on like the last, the last loss I had was maybe re, um, time 6,527. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost so count. So last yeah. I heard, I still have probably about another twenty to 50,000 to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So next time it happens, know that you do not like, you're not going to mess up your kids for life. Just think of these three steps. Recognize that shame. Get curious about what's causing your kids' behavior as well as your own. And then just repair the relationship. And with that, hey, if you have not yet subscribed to the No Guilt Mom podcast, hit that subscribe button right now because we have so many more episodes coming for you that are as great as this one. And if you ever have any ideas for an episode, please let us know. Our email address is hello at noguiltmom.com. And while you're there subscribing, if you could take a few minutes and give us a little one to two sentence review, we would love it. We're going to read one of our reviews right now. Do you want to read the review, Brie? Sure. All right. Happy to have found this podcast. Woohoo. And this one is by, I think it's uh, Nick. Nikki Kang. Ooh. Okay. I stumbled across this podcast while doing a Google search about chores for kids. (laughs) I have two more episodes downloaded to listen to today. Great content. Thank you for sharing your specialty with us moms who need some reassurance. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Oh, we love the big virtual fuzzy hugs. We do. We love them so much. So if you like, we would love to read your review on air. Uh, Just if you could take a few minutes right now to write your little one to two sentence review and hopefully we've earned the five stars from you. We would so greatly appreciate it. Until next time, remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, 
have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.